lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I am Yurdla. And uh, I had two directions because we were just laughing before we started recording about the conviction series that we just got done releasing. Yeah. And how bad we were at audio. But not just that, but being present and knowing that we're talking into a microphone or being recorded. Especially for myself. I don't know. I'm pretty sure everyone who listened to it heard me like, inhale with my nose really heavy in the middle of a sentence while you were talking and it just sounds unprofessional and gross yeah it's probably noticeable but probably means more to you than to anyone else oh, yeah, other way, people yeah, probably yeah, notice yeah, it and you're like why does this exist they're just like <laughs> oh that's weird i forgot about yeah. it already why am i constantly hitting the table knowing there's a microphone on there that is going to make a boom sound on it yeah it, it was pretty bad but um it was an awkward setup it really was yeah Remember how awkward it was? Like, do I look at you? Do I look at the camera? Yeah. Do I look at you and, and we were, the camera? <laughs> we were sitting at that small little square high table yeah. on the stools, not in these nice comfy chairs and this desk and everything that we have now. Yeah. It's a different time. It is. Yeah. We're, we're somewhat there. I mean, we're pretty close to 100 episodes. Only 100? Yeah. I feel like I talked to you so much. It's got to be <laughs> over 100 by now. <laughs> Hours-wise, way longer than that, but yeah. 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 Especially because most episodes, we have like an hour, sometimes two. Of like, oh, yeah. There's the pre-episode that yeah. no one hears. Tony, you got to record some of that stuff. It's good. And then we can start the Patreon. and Yeah, know, do all Then we'll things. be official. Then we'll 100 be... episodes plus a Patreon, then your podcast. Yeah, then we're there. Then we've we've made it to the point of we think we know what we're talking about, kind of. We think, kind of. <laughs> I was just thinking, you're saying, no, they're kind of laughing coming into it. I think that almost every episode when I say, hi, I'm Mirtha, like, I'm saying it with such a stupid smile laugh on my face because <laughs> we just got done talking about, I was like, that probably sounds so out of character, but mm-hmm. also in character because I start so many episodes like that, that you're just like, all right, we're starting the episode. I'm like, oh, you didn't give me time to come off of that stupid that we were on. So. Yeah. Didn't get the time to come down from the laughing. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. All right, let's get into Second Peter. We're back in it. Third episode. Episode three, yeah. Attack uh, of the clones. Ta- <laughs> Attack of the false teachers. Yeah, really? Yeah. So what do you got? I'll let you start us off. You know what? I was thinking about this when we are talking about like, oh, this is kind of like, how would I preach through this kind of a thing? And one, we try, <laughs> given that we just split the last episode in half because it went so well. We try to keep it around an hour. I think that we used to try and say, we'll keep it around 40, and then if it goes over, then it's an hour. And I think that that was like, well, no, if we're around an hour, then it's an hour 20, whatever. But when looking at between 40 minutes to an hour of preaching, we know that you could take a line or two. If you wanted to, you could be Mark Clark and take a word and just preach off of that word. Therefore. Yeah. What's the therefore? So let me explain everything that I just said five hours ago. Right. So, but if you look at something like a book like Second Peter, there's only three chapters. I was like, no, we're going to preach through these three chapters in an hour. That's a lot. And just like, we are skipping over so much. And those sentences, when you're saying you could preach a sentence for an hour, it's like, because those sentences mean something. So just like, it's one of those things I was thinking about, like, 
is this really how I would preach through it? Yes and no. It's things that I think are like meaningful applications scattered throughout it, but it's not really like, no, 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 let's really take this part and see what we can do with it. Yeah, I look at it as like, if I were to give an overviewed message, Mm -hmm. like if I were to just say, I'm standing up on the ladder and I'm looking down and I can see the whole floor. This is the overview of what I could describe chunk by chunk. I just picture you getting up on the ladder to preach to everybody. <laughs> is that a short joke? It is now. It is now. <laughs> For everyone who doesn't know me personally, I'm not that tall. But yeah, that's really how I see it, is that overview. We're looking down, we're seeing everything, and then uh, we can, like you said, yeah, we're going to miss so much. Um, even as we get done with most of these, I'm like, oh, but there was this, 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 and this. Which is just what happens. But yeah, if I were to... If we look at back at Jude, if I were to preach through Jude, that would probably be like a, I could do a 10-week thing on that. 10-year? Yeah, 10-year. A, a decade with Jude. <laughs> a decade of Jude. Uh, but you could because there's so much content, especially in these littler ch- books that we're, we're finding out. There's just so much more. Like I think I described it in one of the earlier episodes. Like These are the, the knockout punch books. Like They're not jabbing you at philosophy like a Romans. Romans is just, you know, Pitter pattering you, working the body, working the body, and then finally comes in with a heavy blow at the end. Like these are just, I'm gonna knock you out with one punch. All right, so getting to some of the punches, it's like a Right off the bat, for me, uh, those first couple verses Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's just such a centering thing for me, and that whenever I see, especially it's in all the epistles, whether it's Peter or James or John or Paul, and they're writing to the church, the way that as fellow believers we are addressed and learn how to speak to each other, and we get so much of even identity within these things Mm -hmm. that... Um, I don't know if I ever said it on the podcast, but definitely talking with you, like I struggle with the fact that so much of within American church, we all just walk around and be like, oh yeah, well, I'm just a sinner and we're all going to sin and it's this and it's that. And just like, how often do we like counter that? I'm like, no, I'm a saint and you're a saint and God's called us to be holy and you are righteous in him, right? And just that concept of language and how we talk about ourselves and how we talk about others that right off the bat... That's where I like how Second Peter starts off because like, no, 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 like let's actually center ourselves on the truth of who we are. So it says to those, all right, so he's talking to these people, who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, right? This is interesting there, through our God and Savior, Jesus Christ coming in. And I know there's a couple of different ways of looking at that. You can say, all right, so it's the righteousness of God, our God and Jesus Christ. Or you say that Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. You know what I mean? Bring bring some trinity into that mix. But you're receiving a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Right? So we're like, oh yeah, grace be upon you. (laughs) Like we can have these little things, but to really truly mean it and say grace and peace be multiplied to you, that this is an actual earnest desire of Peter's heart for these people, that it's coming through a prayer and it's coming now through the pen But it's like, man, by all the power of the Holy Spirit for these people to receive grace and peace and for it to be multiplied. But how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Yeah, I like that you brought that up. Uh, One of the things just really just 
actually popped into my head as you as you read it when he said received a faith as precious as ours. Mm-hmm. I just go back to thinking there's a difference between Peter and Paul. Yeah, and his the writings. Uh, Paul is writing from the Pharisee knowledge that he has that's turned into now I have a relationship with God and a different understanding of who Jesus is so I could write from that perspective. Uh, Peter writes from I heard from Jesus perspective. Like Mm -hmm. I heard this. My brain went instinctively to when Jesus said, and the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl that a man buried or like it's a treasure, you know, that they, they... they treasured it, right? It was precious to that person. And once they got it, they did everything they could to keep it. And they, they made sure it was theirs because they held on to it as a treasure. And then seeing that as a faith as precious as ours, almost, I'm making an assumption here that he went back to that thought process, right? But that being ingrained to him by Jesus, that what you guys have is precious. It's, it's worthy of everything that comes with it and how you respond to it. And uh, yeah, I, I did like that. Um, he, you said a little bit of identity, but yeah, it is identity all over these, these verses. Uh, he reminds us that we're righteous because of Jesus. We are people of faith, we're people of grace, and we're people of peace. And more than anything today, the world needs people of grace and peace running through it. Uh, in a world filled with violence, jealousy, calamity, hatred, corruption, Across the board, there needs to be grace and peace as a beacon of hope and light in, in the midst of everything that's going on. So I, I like that you brought this up as the start. This is where we start off. Yeah. When you bring up, like, what was that word about corruption that you said? Do you remember what you were just saying? Uh, corruption, hatred, jealousy. Right. And so in a world of those things going on, that we're, like, even the identity here, that it's through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, right? So really restoring God the image of God and his identity as being righteous. It's not, hey, by your own righteousness, you earn this thing. It's like, no, 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 like God is the righteous one. Jesus is the righteous one. And that we have received a faith through that thing. It really, because yeah, in today's world, God gets mocked and God is like, oh, if God is so good, how come this, how come that? It's like, no, 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 God is righteous. And you've received a precious faith from there. And because of that, we can be people of grace and peace. Yeah, I like how you brought that in. It's a necessity, man. Like It's so easy to get caught up in unforgiveness or people don't deserve this or they don't deserve that or looking down at other people. Like when we talk about just the way the world is, we always kind of go to the extremes of like, you know, there's rape, murder and hatred everywhere. But there's simple things like, I just think I'm better. I just think that you're below me. And grace eliminates even those simple things. And peace comes in. Peace isn't looking to rule, dominate, or be above anybody else, peace comes in to bring uh, calmness to everything. And in a world full of chaos, today's age, anxiety and all those other disorders are through the roof. Mm -hmm. It's just crazy how much more we deal with it today than people did in the past. And I say we because I deal with stuff like that. And really a lot of what got me through some of my anxiety with social anxiety or just anxiety in itself is learning to just embrace peace more. And it's like, well, how do you do that? It's where I honestly, it is a mental thing of visually taking my eyes off of what's causing the anxiety and putting them on God and Mm -hmm. just start thinking about God. I have to think about God, whether it's a worship song that I'll just start singing in my head or uh, reading scripture or listening to a message or a Christian podcast, like your church friends, uh, but not (laughs) really. You're plugging our own show (laughs) on our our own show. 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 (laughs) It brings me peace. Uh, but 
you know, it's it's really it's changing where my mind's at. And what you're saying right there is verse two. Where it says, "Through the knowledge of God and our Jesus." Right. Yeah. Right. You're bringing your mind to the knowledge of God and what you know of Him and through Him and how that's applying in. And you're taking your mind off of knowledge of the world and what's happening there and bringing it in. Yeah. And then I think that that as the word here says, multiplies that is that again how we should be relating to each other is that when I have you as my friend and you're praying for me that these things would be multiplied in my life. When I'm sharing with you like, hey, I'm going through this thing, I'm stressed out and I got this going on, there is the reality of prayer and interceding for one another and like coming and bolstering each other up and encouraging and building each other up that that's why I just like the first couple of verses here. It really has all of that packed into something that just seems like a greeting that you read through and you're like, all right, let me get to the real stuff. Yeah, yeah, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, multiple <laughs> like it's like, no, if you if you think about what he's saying, it's like, man, there's enough there to to get you and all of your friends going for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to stay there for longer or do we no, want no, to okay. yeah. move on to the next thing? Uh uh, I instantly then go to um, verse 5 through 11 of chapter 1, um, and it's just looking what's, at... What's wrong with verse 3 and 4? <laughs> uh, not my thing. Yeah. I, I didn't like them. No, uh, I, I jumped to those because uh, I... It all ties in. I'll it all keep ties going in. For it, yeah. uh, but for me, it's because I talked about this last episode or the episode before. I went through the add to your faith the stuff, mm-hmm. um, but really... Uh, so like as a teaching point, I would look at it as we are ineffective and unproductive if our knowledge of God isn't accompanied with godliness. And so he goes through there, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, to godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, which is the NIV translation currently. But my older NIV translation says brotherly kindness, which mm-hmm. I like a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to brotherly kindness, mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting what they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus, Savior Christ. But... Yeah, really looking at this, Peter's telling us that uh, it's about your walk with God. You know, it really comes down to that. What does your walk with God look like? And your walk with God uh, can become ineffective and unproductive. Uh, the Christian life is just, it's got to be more than just knowing God, like a mental knowing. Mm-hmm. Who God is has to be inside of us, right? And these lists of characteristics, you got goodness, you got knowledge, you got self-control, perseverance, godliness, uh, goodness in itself, right? It's this. Um, other translations use the word virtue. Yeah. And that's what you have. And so it's like right feelings, right actions, moral goodness. And I could look at that and be like, but what does that mean? Right? Right, right, right. That's just a vague, you're just throwing another vague term to describe a vaguer term from the beginning. Uh, But I like what N.T. Wright says. He says, virtue is what happens when someone has made a thousand small choices requiring effort and concentration to do something which is good and right, but which doesn't come naturally. And then on the thousand and first time, when it really matters, they find they do what's required automatically. Virtue is what happens when wise and courageous choices become second nature. That's a good quote. It was the first time I actually looked at the word virtue and I was like, I think I understand what that means now. Like it's consistency. It's constantly making the choices that go against what's second nature. So 
this was going to be the other opening for the show, but we got talking about the uh, Conviction series. Uh, before we came to record, today was Bear's bath day, and I've normally been doing it in our bathtub in the kids' restroom because they have a bathtub. Uh, we have a stand-in shower with, like, detachable little thing that we can, you know, hose them down. It would have been easier. But I, I haven't been doing it in, in our shower because I just thought, well, I'll throw them in the tub and, you know, do that thing. But today I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put on my swim trunks. I'm going to go in there with him, and I'm going to hose them down. It'll be a lot easier. I could dry them off. It'll just be a quicker process. And he's like every dog. He hates a bath. And normally if I'm going to our, my bedroom or I mean, you've seen him, like he just mm -hmm. follows me everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm going to even to our restroom, he's just plugging along right with me, sitting down when I'm, you know, in there brushing my teeth or whatever. And uh, I got all the stuff ready. So I got um, the towels, shampoos, and, shampoos yeah. yeah, and all that stuff and his brush. And I, he hates his brush. So I hid it in between the towels and I got it in there. I put on my swim shorts and I'm like, all right, Bear, come on, buddy. And he doesn't come. And he looks at me and somehow this very smart dog put everything together and realized he was getting a bath because now he's not even coming into our bedroom. Like he's walking away and I'm like, oh, here we go. I have to do this again, this whole song and dance. Because also when he gets a little nervous, he pees. So he pees all over the house. So I'm like, I don't want him to pee. So I sat down on the floor. I was like, come on, buddy, come here. And he slowly came over, but he's doing this nervous twitchy thing. Like he's like uh, coming closer, backing away, coming closer. And then he comes and sits on my lap. But he gets up and he's like moving around. I can see his tail is moving really nervous-like. And I'm like, okay. So I go to pet him. He shoots a little pee out on the floor. I'm like, that's okay. Don't get angry about it. I'll clean it up after. And then, uh, so I was petting him and I was like, all right, let's go. Come on, follow me. And the moment I did that, he starts to book it out of the bedroom. Luckily, we have uh, laminate flooring. So when he does run, it's like the old cartoons <laughs> where the, they're like running on air, but they're not moving anywhere. So I went to grab him. And just grabbing him, like, around his waist, he yelped, like, if I was hurting him. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I let go a little bit, and he pees just now <laughs> everywhere. So I went, and I grabbed him, and I picked him up, and I held him, and I put him in our shower, closed the door, and I said, all right, just wait right there, clean up the pee mess. But uh, there have been past times where um, that incident right there would just infuriate me. Like, my struggle is with my temper. And because this process wasn't going the way I wanted it to, it would make me very upset and very, like, just frustrated. Um, and when I picked him up, I was like, oh, like, inside of me, I'm just like, gosh, this is horrible to say. Uh, I just want to be like, I'm just going to throw this dog inside of that shower. I'm just going to toss him in there. And, yeah, that does sound horrible now that I say it out loud. Uh, but I didn't. You know, I just picked him up, held him as tight as I could, but where he wouldn't get out but not hurt him, and put him down and, like, tried to just comfort him. Total opposite of times where I've been, like, frustrated. I'm just like, go outside. I don't want to see you for, like, the next 20 hours or something. But I got that. I put those, that incident and virtue together where it is fighting against nature. Like, mm -hmm. nature gets, my nature gets angry. It gets frustrated. It gets annoyed. And when I make decisions where I don't do that, I can see that that's goodness. I can see that that's the virtue coming out of me because it's, okay, now I've made that decision. And to not respond in that way with anger and frustration has now become second nature. I'm glad to see that you're growing, Chris, <laughs> with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, looking at it's all of those little things that come up and build you. Like it's building your character, right? 
as you were talking on things, I came up on, I was just like, oh, virtues, right? Did a quick search. And you can look at the virtues as being, have their counterpart in vice or in sins. So if you look at the the seven deadly sins, so to speak, mm-hmm. you have pride, avarice, or greed, uh, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth. Then the opposite of those, the virtues, you'd have humility, generosity, kindness, mm-hmm. patience, chastity or purity, uh, temperance or moderation, and diligence. You know, kind yeah. of the opposite of those things. Then it goes on to list all the, yeah, it is all those character traits. Even what Peter has listed there is some of them. I think that the fruit of the spirit would probably come in and a lot of just those different things that how you act in a situation with the proper uh, ethic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when we're not responding in these ways, this is when we become ineffective. This is when we become unproductive. Like if I'm out in the world and I have no self-control, then in the sense of being productive and effective for God, mm-hmm. I'm not. Because no one's like, why would I want to have what he's having if he's still acting that way? If he's even worse than me as a person. Yeah. When you're looking at productive and effective for God, I'm glad that you brought that up because it really is well, what is productive and effective for mm-hmm. God? Is it how you were saying that mental knowledge that you have or maybe the Bible knowledge that you have? Or like, no, it's actually putting love and virtue and righteousness out into the world that you are like the faucet, right? Yeah. And, God, and you open it up for God to flow through you. And it's only when you actually do the thing in the situation that you allow God to move through you in that way. Yeah, it was a, that was a good real life example. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about. Well, I'm gonna ponder on that one as I go about my day. Extrapolate it out. I'm like, hmm, what am I doing right now? What would be my equivalent of throwing bear against the wall versus? <laughs> I didn't say him? against the wall. I said <laughs> oh, in the oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I would not throw him against the wall. I love the dog. He's just annoying. It's like everything else in life. I love it. They just annoy me. <laughs> See, no uh, fiction language is not everything else in life. You love. Yeah. You have patience. You have <laughs> yeah, yeah. Change the word. You have virtue. Change the verbiage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I really think that that's the call. You know, living up to these things, like perseverance is uh, definitely there when we patiently endure suffering. Um, godliness, like godliness is basically saying like holiness or simply being like dad, like be the imagers of Christ. Um, I like Ephesians, tying Ephesians into that five. It says, uh, follow God's example, therefore, as dear loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Jesus or just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So, in there, you have Paul saying, like, you know, if you're children, be like Dad, follow the example, and and especially like you talked about that love type thing. And I mean, all this ends in in love itself, right? So it's like I want you to love them, like who, them. You know, like love the people who are in your life, the people around you, love everyone, your enemy. I I don't, I'm trying to think about it right now. Like the Bible does not, it says like it doesn't like certain things, like characteristics or flaws or Mm. or sin, right? Like sin is very much a thing. But like throughout it, the call to God's people has always been some form of a love. And like where Jesus even ups it up to like love your enemies. And then you're like, well, then who is there for me to hate? No one. But I really believe uh, we get caught up in the mentality that because they don't come to church with me or they're not Christians or they're living just totally ungodly, they're the enemy. Instead of thinking about that there's actually the enemy in them that's causing them to do these things. And it's the same place we were before we came to Christ. 
I, I, re- I think I said it on one of the other episodes. I really like the idea that it's really, they are prisoners of war and we're mm-hmm. trying to bring them back in. Yeah. And we're kind of talking a little bit of shop talk with some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd kind of be awkward if you went to your unsafe friend and you're like, you're a prisoner of war and I'm yeah, here and yeah. you're this and I'm that and like, I'm not here. It's the enemy within you. Like sometimes conversations do get to that point depending on, you know, the level of your POW Come here. or whatever to have in our mind that reality because it's good to not go to either extreme, right? If you're just like, man, you're just wicked and you're evil and you're against God and you're going like having all that and you're like, you don't have any love. But then to go the opposite way, it's like, no, no, no. Like I just accept you and whatever you got going on in life and you lose the concept of like, regardless of what things appear to be from the outside scripture says that they're under bondage mm-hmm. and under attack right and just like all of us can be really good at putting on a mask and as christians we should be better at taking off the mask but we need to know that yeah there's stuff going on that you don't know about that you can't just be like oh no everything's fine with them like i wish they were christian but everything's cool it's not that you're going around and like I know something's going on. You have to reveal what's going on. But I like that you brought that up because it really is not to go too hard in either direction, but to let the reality of the thing be there. Yeah. Also, I'm still stuck on you bringing up that dog story (laughs) just because, yeah, you can go through a list like that and you're saying, okay, you're just adding another vague term on top of a vague term. Mm -hmm. And just as we're reading through to really pull these things out and be like, hold on, I'm supposed to be adding this to my life. What am I adding to my life? What in practical ways am I actually adding this in? Yeah, I like what you brought up that way. And how you brought that up just with that one example, it's to do the same thing with all of these. And that's what Bible study is. We don't just study the Bible to be like, oh, I know what that says now. It's like, no, no, no. But do you live what it says? Mm -hmm. And you are with your dog. (laughs) (laughs) I really think too, I like that you brought that in because it's a, uh, that last part, and I have it highlighted in red in my notes, the will keep you from stumbling um, doing these things is what's going to constantly keep us from stumbling when we're adding to them constantly. It's not that I have uh, brotherly kindness. Once I've been brotherly kind to one person, it doesn't mean that it ends there or that I have to stop working on that, that characteristic, that, mm-hmm. that fruit. Um, it means you're constantly adding on to it, adding on, adding on more, adding on more. Uh, it's a constant thing. It's like, uh, like I think I said it last week, it's like a, uh, like a wheel and you're just, it's an arrow going around. And once you're done with this, you're moving on to that and you're just constantly adding on to it because uh, what keeps us from stumbling is growth. And I think this is what Peter's talking about. It's like, it's a, it's a, how do you stay ineffective and unproductive? You grow. Anything that's ineffective and unproductive stops growing. It, it, it hits a certain point and it just stops, Right. Um, but like to be effective and productive, you grow and you're growing. And Peter's saying like, to add to your faith, these things, these characteristics, this is what's going to keep you from being ineffective and productive and knowing who Jesus is, knowing who God is. And that's the whole crux of it all is that these things on, on the relational term with everyone around me, they help me be better with them. Mm Mm-hmm. But in reality, these things are going to help me know who God is and develop that relationship better. Uh, having self-control is going to allow me to have a deeper relationship with God. Uh, because if not, then I'm just controlling me. So I'm not submitting to Christ like I'm supposed to. I- I'm controlling me. Uh, I've got to control myself. 
Um, I, he even says it in Second Peter when he's talking about the false teachers. He says they promise their, them freedom, mm-hmm. while they themselves are slaves to de- of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever uh, has mastered them. So he's saying that that our self control is to complete is to be completely mastered by the master, but that only comes if I'm deepening my relationship with God. Yeah, you brought up that that verse right now, and that's a uh, Second Peter two nineteen about promising the freedom, but they're, they themselves are slaves of destructive habits. Um, I just started going through, we've talked about Celebrate Recovery before on the show, and I just started doing a step study with mm-hmm. some of the guys here at the church, and the very first lesson is on denial. Hmm. And when you're looking at denial, uh, you start with step one, which is our principle one, realize I'm not God. I admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and that my life is unmanageable. And when you get to, there's an act, was it an acronym? An acrostic, an acrostic for denial. And D, it brings in that for uh, your slaves of anything that's conquered you. So mm-hmm. you got to get out of the denial that like, no, nah, everything's good. Nothing's conquered me. And just like, again, not that we're going around trying to say everybody has something wrong, but it's, be honest with yourself. Yeah. Has there, is there something that has mastery over you? I have it actually tattooed really big on my wrist is the word deny. Yeah. Uh, and that's for deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. I have also have the other three terms on there on my arm, uh, but it's there to remind me of that. Like daily, I have to deny myself. Moment by moment, I have to deny myself. Every thought I have to see, is this something that's going to bring me closer in my relationship to God or is it going to take me further away? Um, so I have to deny whether it's good or bad. And, and again, going back to what are, how are we going to have peace and grace? Like we can't be people of peace and grace if I have no self-control, mm-hmm. if I'm not loving, if I'm not, if I don't have brotherly kindness, if I'm not persevering, if I just give up every time it gets hard, there's no grace and peace in any of that. You know, it's, it's these things allow us to hit a relationship with God. They allow us to walk with God in grace and peace. And that's the first 11 verses. Yeah. Just had... There's something you said a couple minutes ago, but then there's something you said right now. So a couple minutes ago, you were talking about just forget how you said it, but you basically said, hey, you're going to be ineffective and productive. And if you don't want to be ineffective and productive, focus on these things. And that's such a truth. And I'm going to say it like a little bit different. If you're struggling with some type of sin or some type of like ungodliness in your life or something, it's like, yes, a good thing is to stop that thing. But if you're trying to stop it in a vacuum, it's just like, what's going to replace that? And it's much easier to stop that if you change your focus, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going back to even how you're talking about with the anxieties and stuff. If you start like focusing on what you know of God. So it's like, man, rather than focus on this character defect that I have that I don't want anymore, start focusing on the thing that you do want. Try and get that into practice. Because like, really, it's, I'd probably say, especially if you're a guy, you can't focus on so many things. <laughs> one time. Yeah. Like, just start trying to add yeah. in. And I guess I can lead that into the thing on perseverance if you just give up right away, right? Is that just a comment on any of these is that the one that you're weakest in it's a weakness and where you're weak it's hard and there's struggle to it Mm -hmm. right if you're struggling perseverance and like you normally give up pretty easily then being confronted with like man i should persevere what that's going to look like is a situation is going to come up that you're going to want to give up on like ah everything in me just wants to like walk away from this right now but then the scripture comes up. It's like, no, I need to be adding perseverance to my life. 
I don't know how I can make it through. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I pursue this thing? Like, I don't, I don't have anything left in me to, to go. Like there's, I'm already at the end. I'm already over, like whatever the thing is. I'm like, well, now you see why we need the spirit. Now you see why we need the church. Mm-hmm. Going back to that thing of you need those people saying grace and peace multiplied to you. Why you need to be linking up with other people. So it's the type of thing, just as you go through any of that list, is that it's not, all of these things are provided for us, but we do need to go through the process. And the process, sometimes there's just, God just opens up the pathway and there's a huge step that you get to take, quote unquote, for free. And you're like, oh man, that's cool. I just walked into that thing. But I've found that a lot of the times it's more of, all right, you're going to go through a trial. You're going to go through some testing. You're going to go through some pruning. You're going to go through this thing of you yourself need to learn what it is to say no and to say yes so that you yourself are the type of person that has these virtues and you've been transformed. I like that. I think a lot of times we hear people say like, because I was thinking about it, um, if you were to take that list that Peter, that short list that Peter says, add these things and say, okay, which ones am I weak on? Right? That's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, work on those, right? Because yeah, if you're weak, where's the enemy going to attack you at? Where you're weak. But then there are other people who say like those areas where you think you're strong at, that's where the enemy's going to attack you at, right? Because you think you could handle it, but then he's going to come in and be like, ah, I got you. Uh, and I, as you were talking, I was thinking about the process really should be work on all of them. Right, right. Yeah, you know, like leave no area of weakness or strength. Leave it just that you're constantly working on it so they never get, um, you never get caught off guard. Which yeah. is the kind of the end of what Peter says. I'm, I'm going to jump to this part and then we could go backwards because it just flowed naturally. Uh, but Peter ends with, therefore, dear friends, this is uh, the last few verses. Uh, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Um, so he's telling us, like, be on guard. And what does be on guard mean? It's like we said the last time. When it comes to thinking about uh, the second coming and Jesus coming back, uh, just be ready so that you are ready. Like if you're trying to put together everything at the last minute or you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm late now or something, you know, you're just going to get cut off guard. Uh, so always be prepared. Hi, y'all. This is Crit from the Help Us Look Good as we give to the needy organization. And I just want to update y'all on a little issue we currently need your help in. Our wonderful friend, leader, and all-around good guy, HIPAA, is currently in federal prison for a small little crime called tax evasion. We desperately need your generosity to flood down on us and help Balaam out of prison. If we thought Jesus was returning soon or ever, we would be worried HIPAA would be in there when that happens. But since we don't, we just want him home soon. So if you can spare even the small amount of 100, 500, 1,000, or heck, even 10,000, please do. Find true freedom from your finances by giving to us and getting HIPAA out of prison. By law, we do have to remind all of you of the following. Giving to the Help Us Look Good while we give to the needy organization is not tax deductible or recognized by any federal agency. Giving to them will not give you freedom from your finances and they will probably take your money to spend on themselves and not on the needy. Giving to the Help Us Look Good as we give to the needy organization is being investigated by the federal government and has 2,000 active lawsuits against them. Hey, church friends, we would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate every single one of you. 
And really, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we covered, please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. And remember, Your Church Friends Podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. Which Chris is finally forcing me to sit down and work on a lot of that stuff. So there's updates coming to the website, as well as a lot of other wonderful resources that we're working on together. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right. Because we rocks. Yeah, and in that, I'm going to say the thing, because when you're like, just focus on all of these at the same time, I tend to think that way and want to think that way. She was like, no, 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 I need to be moving all these forward. Like, yes, you can only really narrow in your focus on something. So I was like, no, I'm really aware that I'm weak here. So that gets extra special focus. But like, I need to not be slacking in any, in any of these things. But yeah, it seems like a lot. That's a lot to keep track of. That's a lot of self-improvement. That's a lot of focus. That's too much to ask of a person. And then, again, going into the preaching application side of it, I would say, open up your phone, go to your screen time or Android equivalent, mm -hmm. look at how much time you're spending in those things. Take a minute to just write down what it is that you do in your average day, average week, where your time is going. Think about the amount of time that goes into some of those things that if you were to transfer that time you would re or free up that time, you'd realize, oh, I actually have a lot yeah. of time for all this self-improvement. Yeah. The reason I can't focus on all these things is because I'm too busy wanting to get that achievement in this stupid mobile game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like, oh man, I got a, the new season came out or a new episode and it's going to drop or whatever. And just like, I don't even know what to watch, but I got to find something to watch. Yep. And we can talk all kinds of crap on how like all oh, the streaming services don't have anything good to watch anymore. So I'm going to just waste time trying to find something to watch. And it's just like, yeah, that's why it's really hard to focus on improving in these areas. Yeah. Because you're not trying to. Yeah, and even though it seems like it's a lot, uh, I even think of it as like if I'm, a, if I'm working out, mm -hmm. you know, you don't try to work out every body part in one day because then you'll kill yourself. You know, that's very difficult. So you split it. Today is this part. Tomorrow right. is that part. And, you know, it's not like I'm saying uh, eat the elephant whole. You know, tackle it bits by bits and spread it out intelligently and healthy for yourself that that way you can grow in these right. things so going back to the thing of like i'm struggling with perseverance i give up too easy it's like all right well rather than the 30 minutes that you would normally play on that game or whatever or whatever it is that you like to do maybe mobile gaming isn't your thing i speak from that because like i constantly have to delete apps off my phone <laughs> and then it'll be like two months later and i start getting overwhelmed and the way that i want to escape the world is i download an app and i just like go into a dark hole and then delilah's like hey knock it off. I'm like, oh yeah, let me delete that and get back to what's happening in the real world. So it's like, that's the thing that yeah. I know that I'm prone to. But you take the 30 minutes and you, instead of that, you do an online search or you find a book and you read that book and you start putting that into your mind. 
right? You go, maybe you find a group of other people, you know, depending on what it is. And you meet up once a week with what they got going on and you go through whatever they, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's how you improve, how you're saying one piece at a time, which is like, no, I'm going to purposefully and yeah. intentionally move on this thing. All right. So you said that we we're going to the end and then we're going to work backwards. Uh, working just, backwards or working forwards. I just did. You could go to it. I just, uh, that was actually a, a point that I had on there is that last bit of uh, be on your guard. Um, because I just feel like as Peter, uh, again, if we're looking at this as um, Peter's really not writing a religious book, he's writing his an autobiography. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this is like, this is my life and this, this is my farewell thing to everybody. Uh, the last thing he says is like, all right, you've been warned. Stay on your guard. And I just thought that was so prevalent in everything that he has. If this is it, his last kind of command, his last warning is be on your guard. What kept Peter going through everything that he went through and the perseverance was at some point he was ready. And what was he ready for? He was ready for Jesus to come back. He was ready for the persecution and the suffering that came. Uh, he was ready for challenging false teachers. Uh, and he was ready for the growth that came in his own life. Uh, why? Because when you're on guard, when you're prepared, you're ready. You're, you're not, you're not uh, caught off guard. And yeah. getting caught off guard, I think, is what catches a lot of us and what causes a lot of us to stumble um, is being caught off guard. Uh, it, it drives me nuts. Uh, I hate being caught off guard on something it just short circuits my brain like i just it re like the wiring gets all like thrown off and i just don't know how to handle it uh i am such a person that's always constantly thinking of everything and anything that's probably why i have anxiety so much uh but i'm planning like it's just my brain's always functioning on like what could happen uh that i don't want to be caught off guard and when it does happen it's just like like I get shut off. And then that's where I always find that I have the biggest struggles. When something hits my life and it's just like, I wasn't expecting this tragedy uh, or I wasn't expecting this rejection, that's where I start short-circuiting and that's where I start falling more into like, oh, this Christian walk is difficult. You know, I'm just going to start doing this. This, Like you were saying, like that dark hole, you, you go into gaming. Uh, I, I really don't do that. I just more go into like, oh, I'm just going to stop. But... Uh, that's why being on your guard helps because if you're always prepared, you're, you're not caught off guard. I, I don't think Peter was caught off guard if we're going with uh, what they said is true, that his wife was let out to be persecuted or, or martyred before him and that he was being martyred. It doesn't seem from this letter that his own death was catching him off guard. He was like, yeah, God's. this is what Jesus has yeah, told me. Jesus revealed it to Jesus me. Jesus revealed yeah. it to me. This is it. And so, uh, yeah, that, that was just kind of my big point with that. Yeah, I'm not going to tell. We don't need to spend time on the story of... Uh, <laughs> How you short-circuited my brain, yeah. you and Delilah. And yeah. I'm like, that's a really small thing. It really threw you off. But again, we all have really small things to other people that can, right? Know yourself. Yeah, know and, yourself and where you're it's at. crazy because like we would categorize that as like, Chris, that's a small thing that got you to kind of, in a sense, mentally stumble in your relationship with God. Yeah, I thought you were going to cuss me out. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> close. Uh, close. <laughs> you know, like, it, it is such a small thing to lose your testimony over, right? And you're like, yeah, I know. But this is the thing that I struggle with. But we as Christians, I think we get caught up with hierarchy of sin and hierarchy of what's the worst sins and what this person doing that makes them a, a worse Christian than me, that we fail to understand that even what we struggle with, even though it's not that 
still destroys my relationship with yeah, God. What is it that's taking you away from God yeah. and what you could have? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nuts that we would like look at uh well that person's um constantly cheating on his wife and or husband, right? There's the adultery is an issue. And you're like, oh they're horrible Christians or they why they believe in God? No way. And then I'm like spending five hours just slothfully doing nothing, binge watching every episode. Well that's also part of a sin. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no hierarchy in it. We're all yeah, when you set the goal as going back to that whole theosis thing we were talking yeah. about, right, is to partake of the divine nature, to become one with Christ, right, mm-hmm. and to really have that, then it's, yeah, sin is just throwing a divide in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, my divide is caused because of this. It's like, okay, there's a divide there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but look at what caused theirs. It's just like, it's not good and even if you're sitting there seeing like well their their divide was caused by that it's like well why are you judging them for that why aren't you praying for them like you know on your own life that a divide isn't good how are we to grow in our grace for other people when we start comparing our divide to their divide that's not grace that's no grace in there i grow in my grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ when i know i needed that grace Mm -hmm. and that everything that i do need yeah, separates me from that. And then once I understand that, I can look at someone else struggling and be like, come on, you're in here with me too. We're all in the same boat, even though you may think yours is 10,000 times worse. Maybe the ramifications of yours is worse. But we're all in the same boat. I can love you and bring you in here. And these are his last words, right? Glory and forever, like acknowledging that all glory and power is God's. And that's where our recognition should be. On that point of, hey, everybody come in here. Uh, everyone do yourself a favor. Read the book, The Cure. Yes. It addresses that. Like, it will really transform your view of grace and where you're at with that and where other people are at. Like, go read The Cure. It is a engaging read. Both of us have read it. And it's like, we've had multiple conversations mm-hmm. about it and working through just like the realities. Like, man, that's really perspective shifting. So go read that. Yeah, it's by uh, John Lynch. But going, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay. Going back to something you said a little bit ago about like this being like his autobiography and really the send-off for what he has going on. Like he lived this thing. Um, the end of chapter one, um, going back to the reality of he lived this thing. And you know how you were talking about the difference between Peter and Paul? It's like Peter yeah. lived this thing with Jesus. And that's where verse 16 is saying, We didn't follow cleverly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And I'm going into what he um, saw there on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's like, we ourselves heard this voice. But then he goes beyond that. He says, we also have the word of the prophets as confirmed mm-hmm. beyond doubt. And you'd be do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Like, look, I'm an eyewitness to what God did in my life. I'm not one of those people who had a vision of Jesus coming down. Like, I've not had that experience. Like, I've had different experiences. That's not one of them. I'm not an eyewitness to the Messiah. I just know what God has done in my life. But when I look at, like, what do I have that Peter himself is saying, hey, look, I'm an eyewitness. I'm not like these other guys coming up with all kinds of stuff. I'm telling you what's real through my experience. But then he's saying, even beyond that, we have the words of the prophets. And those are confirmed beyond doubt. And so look at these things like a light in the darkness. So two different things there that I see at the end of chapter one is like in our lives, there are people, there are teachers that have gone through the experience and there are those who have cleverly devised fables. 
and cleverly devised fables can sound really good mm-hmm. because they're devised to sound really good. And it's it's as a Christian, when you're trying to come under a teacher or under a mentor or get involved in something or anything like that, it's you want to know that there's the real experience behind the thing. So when we're looking at like, man, can you get to know somebody on a personal level to the spot to where you can see those um that they are partaking in the divine nature, that those characteristics are in their life and being added to, that you can see the relationship if they're married between the spouse, between the kids, and like all of that is a testimony that speaks of those things. Can you as a person go and say like, hey, will you pray with me? And maybe put something on like, I'm trying to learn to pray, or I just need prayer with a brother. Like, will you pray with me for like 30 minutes? Because like, man, depending on where somebody's at, if they're like a teacher in your life or a mentor in your life or something like that, like if they will struggle to pray for 30 minutes is like how much time are they spending with the lord mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's not like you're going out there to test people but it's you should be able to do that yeah like you should be able to spend 30 minutes in prayer with somebody who's mature in christ and if that's not able to happen they're like oh you might be talking a lot of things from the pulpit or in your bible study but what's the substance behind it mm-hmm. you know what i mean and for me 30 minutes is like you could see that as a long time but going back to our streaming habits, right? It's 30 minutes, really a long time, especially when we're coming to, this is God. You yeah. get to speak with God and have that relationship with him. So on the one side, I see that like, man, we need to have those people that truly have the experience of this thing. Um, but then also to really take the word of the prophets, to really take scripture and just the reality of the world that we live in is dark. What Peter is saying here is let scripture be a lamp shining in the dark place. I don't know. Whenever I'm doing anything around my house and it's dark, I'm pulling out my phone or I'm reaching for like the light or reaching for the lamp or reaching for, I, like, I need to see where I'm going. Like I know generally where I'm going, but like I still want the light on so that I can see accurately and not stub my toe and not do the thing. And if I need to get something done, I can see it properly, right? Yeah, let scripture be that. The world is dark. The world is dark. Like mm-hmm. that's just the de facto. The world is dark. So let scripture be that light that you can turn on personally so that you yourself can see what's going on. I like that portion too. It reminds me of uh, there's a lot of people today who, who want to say like, how, do we, how can we trust the Bible? Mm-hmm. How can we know that for generations and generations past, this is exactly what God wants for us through the translations, through the manuscripts and all that stuff that it went through? How do we know all these books are the only things that are supposed to be inside of it? And here Peter is saying, like, for a prophecy has never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And they're like, okay, he's talking about the Old Testament. Like, that's it. So all we need is the Old Testament. Then a page over. uh, Bear in mind that our Lord, patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you, with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes uh, the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort uh, as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. So even within that, he's then saying, well, then there's Paul, and what Paul wrote is there, but he throws it in there as they do with other scriptures. You know, so like, it's really easy to fall in the category of, like, we answer the questions, when was it written? We tackle some of the 
was it written by this person or that person and this and that, because we want people to be informed of what's out there. But a part of faith is also trusting that the book that I have in front of me that I call God's Word is actually God's Word, and that God is big enough to preserve His Mm -hmm. holy words for generations to generations to generations like that. I like the way he, he says it, they are ignorant and unstable, because when you start doubting this word in any manner, it makes you unstable. You can't trust it. Well, if this isn't true, then that's not true. And you start picking and choosing, and yeah. like the part that you need is the part you ignore, because yeah, then you've got <laughs> I don't the, want that part. the Thomas Jefferson Bible, right? Like, where it's just... Take out all the miracles. Yeah, and all take the out all the stuff that you don't like, and it's just your Bible. Take an exacto knife. <laughs> <laughs> just like, nope, don't want that in there. Uh, and then you could go out and live the way you want to because it's no longer by God's standards. You've created your own standards. Uh, so I really like that you brought that up. It wasn't anything that I had in my notes for today, but the fact that it's there to me is important. And it's a reminder that we can trust the scripture if we trust God and that if we trust that it was God who gave it to men to write. And and I'm not just saying like men and to be masculine. It was like that's what is there. And most of the books are written by men, uh, if all of them. All of them? Yeah. yeah. A lot of them will feature but, women, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it was like a man or woman thing, but either way, at the end of the day, uh, God put it there. He's the one who's preserved it, and he's the one who's kept it going. And even to the fact where you think of like where then the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and that unveiled so much more to us. And really confirmed that like, hey, these things are actually really legit. Yeah, that he reveals it even more through time and history. I kind of even go a different way. How you're saying he can preserve the thing? is that I look at, there's a few places in scripture where it talks about other books. It's like, hey, if you want to know more, just go check out this book. Mm-hmm. Like, you can read more about it. And we don't have those books. We can't read more about it. I think, oh, if we still had that book, I could read more about it. I could know more about what's being talked about. I'm at a point of ignorance because I cannot understand what this person is asking mm-hmm. me to understand. But I just look and go, well, let me do the best with what I have. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be great if that was there. And maybe there was some other ones that could have been there too. But it's been a long time since some of these are written. I'm like, you know what? I'm perfectly fine studying through with what I have. And I there's enough in here because God is real. And his Holy Spirit is a real presence in my life that guides me in things. And scripture definitely bolsters that, brings a new understanding. As Peter led off, right, through the knowledge of these things, like that brings in some transformation. I was like... Yeah, that'd be cool if that extra book was there. But I can also read through Second Peter and be like, man, I should, I can really focus in this <laughs> and start partaking of the divine nature right off of the, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like what we were talking about earlier that uh, uh, you're talking about wanting to know Greek. Like if you were to go back to school, like mm-hmm. it would be for that reason. And, and yeah, that would make scripture just unfold probably magically, right? But there is a true sense that we do not, we don't need that stuff to have scripture unfold because if the Holy Spirit is working, right? It starts unfolding in our lives. Like you were saying, it's just faith. Like I have faith that what I'm reading, if I believe it's true, then it will morph and change me and help me guide me into that divine nature. Think about Abraham, father of the faith. Oh, yeah. And throughout a lot of writings in the New Testament, they don't go back to like, remember Moses? Sometimes Moses gets brought up for the the most part. Like, remember the promises made to Abraham, Mm -hmm. that God came to Abraham. Like, man, God came to Abraham before Moses. The law wasn't written. The prophets hadn't happened yet. There wasn't all the scripture happening. God, real God, came to Abraham and had a relationship with him. And God is still the same God. And we're looking at the Holy Spirit coming in. It's to have a relationship with you, which isn't to discount scripture. 
because as Paul would say, I wouldn't have known what coveting was if the law didn't tell me not to covet. Right. So I was like, lean into wisdom. But at the same time, God is real. And do you have the relationship with him? Are you building on that? Yeah. Some of that's an aside. We kind of skipped over 2 Peter 2 last time. The chapter? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually do have two things for it. Um, We're close to the hour mark. And I do have to wrap up shortly so I can go get the kids. So I'll be quick with them with false teachers. Yeah. All right. So false teachers will try to take our eyes off of the heavenly and place them on the temporal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Uh, but there are also false teachers among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, mm-hmm. even denying the sovereign Lord uh, who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow the deprived conduct and will bring the way of truth into dispute. And then chapter 3 uh, So I'll tie three a little bit with Mm. it. Uh, Verse three and four. Above all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Uh, Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So here, uh, just again, they're constantly looking at uh, trying to take people's eyes off of God. And that's what they try to do. It's more of like, look at the temporal things. Look at what we have now. uh, The destructive heresies. Uh, a lot of times when you're thinking of destructive heresies, it's not like outright claiming Jesus isn't God, but a lot of times it's just the simple things of like, hey, if we could get people to focus more on this, it will lead to a bigger destruction. Uh, but false teachers, uh, they like to say, look look at the here and now and forget. Don't worry. Don't even worry about Jesus is coming back or not. Just look at the here and now. It's Everything's about today and the present time. Your uh, best life now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was a reference for. I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, living for the now. And where Peter is saying like, no, you got to keep your eyes on the returning of Jesus. That's the important part, the thing that we've constantly hit with this book. Um, but everything with them is about just now, now, now. And it's removing our eyes off of God, removing off of even the characteristics of God, right? That's the heavenly things. Keep taking our eyes off of that. And this letter is filled with words like, remember, don't forget, uh, let me remind you of, of what Jesus is and what Jesus said, uh, that a lot of false teachers, many of them, uh, you know, a lot of times false teachers aren't just people. They could be uh, what's coming in through the church from culture or ideologies and thought processes. Those yeah, something also, gets established and yeah. that that person isn't there. Like he says, it's not a person, but something a, is taking over. It's a thought process or I'll yeah. even use the term, a doctrine yeah. can become a false teacher in our lives because we're not, we're just following after. But it does uh, take our eyes off of God. A, a, every false teacher will want you to look at something other than God because if you get your eyes off of God, then you're not thinking about God. And this is a book, again, that's kind of challenging where our knowledge is of God. So ways to kind of think about that, like, all right, you're telling me something or you're asking me to get involved in something, whatever this is. Who does this honor? Mm-hmm. Who does this love? How does this help bolster myself and other believers in these godly characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. Those are some kind of like uh, marker points throughout. Yeah. Terms of like, okay, what's the point behind this thing? Because things can sound good. And like, yeah, let's all go in a direction. Rah, rah, rah. Let's go. Let's go. He's like, hold on. Like, what is this actually doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of false teachers, they're very, uh, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't want to point anyone out, but I'll just say uh, a lot of false teachers today, if you were to think of someone's a false teacher, one of the characteristics I see 
the most out of false teachers today is they're very showy. They're very much about themselves. And uh, like you said, who are they glorifying? And a lot of times it's self-glorification. Uh, so it's very much about them. Um, Which sometimes takes, because we live in celebrity culture, sometimes yeah. people get highlighted for things. And just because other people are highlighting them, see how they themselves handle stuff. You right, know, I can, think, right, I can yeah. think of some pastors that would get like labeled as false teachers. And just like, if you know something about them, you'd know that the things that they're getting accused of aren't actually what they're about. That's why I said the way they, yeah, yeah the way they do it is it's about them. And uh, I, I think it's just, again, if, if, if someone's on the stage and they're bringing the, the attention to themselves, then they're removing it from God. And um, that's, that's usually the MO of them. Another part of it with them is this, and, and it's just a separate point that I kind of made separate, but it, it does pertain to the false teachers, is that greed and sexuality will disrupt your walk with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two especially. Verse 3 of Second Peter is, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. And again, talking about the fabricated stories, their condemnation has been long hang, has been hanging over them, long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. And then verse 14 says, With their eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They, uh, they are experts in greed and accused brood. So his examples of false teachers that have led people astray are um, the angels, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the, the not even if the angels, right, in the comparison with Jude. Uh, but what was their thing? It was sexuality, yep. right? Uh, then the next one was Sodom and Gomorrah, sexuality. And then Balaam. Greed. So here he's hitting this, like, if you look at the pattern, all these examples, and even if we went back to Jude's and went through that list, they hit the same two things. It's greed, sexuality, greed and sexuality, and and it will disrupt your walk with God. And your walk with God to kind of build off from that, kind of going back to like, are these people encouraging holiness and helping you in your walk of holiness? Because the end of chapter 2 when it says, uh, verse 20 and following, if indeed they've escaped the corruption of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ, only to be entangled and overcome by it again, mm-hmm. their final condition is worse than it was at first. The gospel of Jesus is supposed to free you from the power of sin in your life. It is supposed to come in and allow you to walk in holiness. Now, again, that's a process, but that process should be seeing victory, and you should be a different person today than you were yesterday. And yeah, especially a lot of these more like egregious, like really acts of the flesh type things. Like, yeah, those things should be cut off and done. And if your spiritual teachers and stuff aren't encouraging towards that, aren't equipping towards that, aren't, if that's not a concern for them is your holiness is like, that's not good. But then it says it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn away from the holy commandment passed on to them. That's crazy. Because at that point, you're like, extra responsible at that point like for these people when it comes to judgment it's like no 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 you knew of something and you just like you partook of it and then you went back Mm -hmm. and that is worse that is a harsh like a more harsh judgment and of that going back verse 22 and this is somewhat of a famous one it says of them the proverbs are true a dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud Man, the hope of the gospel and everything is for us to be pure and to remain pure. And as First John would say, if you sin and stumble, he's righteous and he's just to forgive you and to cleanse you. We don't need to walk around with the spots and blemishes and the mud on us, right? We can get clean and pure and stay as clean and pure as possible, right? It's about keeping that purity. 
But when you look at like going back to a sin, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. That's just gross. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's why it's using the imagery. Mm-hmm. like a lot of us have seen that or like seen a pig going just like, oh, cool, you clean the pig. What does it do? A pig goes and does what a pig does. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing. What does a dog do when it throws up? A dog will go and lick its own vomit. And that's speaking again, not only of the action that's happening, but of the characteristic of the yeah. animal. And earlier on... Verse 12, it says, these men are like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be captured and destroyed, right? So he's even referencing them earlier on as being these types of irrational animal. Because it's not rational. If you know something of God, if you know something of freedom, if you know something of goodness and all of these things, and then you're choosing to go back and become enslaved again and entangled again in these sins, it's like, yeah, that's not rationality anymore. And that's not any of these good things anymore. And just tying it into the teachers is that a huge marker is Are you able to somewhat, quote unquote, test the person and see where they're at and observe where they're at? But are they equipping and leading you in the same way? Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge mark because especially you said the the sexuality and the greed really take things off. Yeah. In in a book that is like, here's how you walk with God. Mm -hmm. Like in a book that's filled with that, like we saw, like we spent almost the first 30 to 40 minutes talking about those characteristics. Uh, there's then these examples of what happens when you don't walk with God. Mm-hmm. It's judgment. It's judgment. It's calamity. It's judgment. Um, and it's constant. It's example after example. This is what happened with the angels. Judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment. Balaam. Judgment. Uh, but also, it highlights Noah and Lot. Now, with Noah and Lot, calamity still came. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, they still saw the destruction. But God was with them. Mm-hmm. And it's even interesting when you think of both of those examples, and then you go into like the day of the Lord conversation, right? right? Where it's like calamity could come, destruction can come. But for those of us who are walking with God, He's walking with us, and there is protection that He could distinguish between the righteous and the unrighteous mm-hmm. and know which ones are His, that He'll He'll get us through those moments in life. Timothy Keller said this, just looking at the the concept of greed. He said, uh, money cannot save you from the tragedy or give you control in a chaotic world. Only God can do that. Whatever breaks the power of money over us is not just redoubled effort to follow the example of Christ. Rather, it is deepening your understanding of the salvation of Christ, what you have in him, and then living out the changes that that understanding makes in your heart, the seat of your mind, will, and emotions. Uh, Faith in the gospel's resurrection are motivations our self-understanding and identity, our view of the world, uh, behavioral compliance to rule without a complete change of the heart will be, a su- will be superficial and fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like that. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, one of his bigger books. Um, but I really like that quote because the way he breaks it down, it's like it's not a doubling down on our efforts. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be at the end of it all, me doubling down to change something. It's going to be trusting in and, and a deepening understanding, right? The knowledge that Peter was talking about at the beginning of the salvation of Jesus Christ, what that has to offer in him, that's going to change everything about me. It's going to change everything. And it's not going to be me just trying to follow all the rules of the Bible out of compliance because that will be superficial. And then you start seeing that stuff like that, that's kind of what the false teachers are made out of. Yeah, Jesus said that in two different ways that I can think of off the top of my head. One is that... The example of the tree Mm -hmm. is a good tree has good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. And then the other one talking about a wellspring, is it a spring with good water versus a spring with bad or bitter water? And the solution is to make the tree good and there will be the good fruit. And it's just like, if you're spiritually dead, you need spiritual life. If you, like, you need to mm-hmm. be born again, you need, if it's like your, your flesh living, you need the spirit living. And that's the thing of just like, yeah, it's not doubling down on your efforts. The solution is you need God in you. Like, that's what the scripture talks about is the actual goal. Again, going back to partaking of the divine nature is that don't just double down on your efforts to like try and fix your fruit and be like, <laughs> oh man, this apple's rotting. Let me spray paint it and buff it out to make it look good. It's just like, no, 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 no. Like realize that the solution is that you need the power of God to come in and transform you. And that's mm-hmm. what grace is supposed to do. Grace isn't all, isn't just about forgiveness so that you can receive forgiveness and have that. It's like, yes, it involves that, but it should be transformational grace yeah. that brings you to the point of becoming more Christ-like and desiring that. So, yeah, I like that quote. I like that you brought that up. Um, I've just got one final thought to to it because you brought it up as far as like Day of the Lord and some judgment stuff. And I know that's how chapter three ends off. Go I don't know it. what you got, but I can that's go it. I'm done. Yeah. Cool. Just these false teachers are saying, oh, yeah, where is God? And like he's taking forever. You said that he's coming. He's not coming. And Peter says, don't let this escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And you were talking about like, hey, I forget how you worded it, but basically, hey, judgment might come upon. I increasingly look at the world right now and look at a world that rejected God in so many ways and still is rejecting God mm-hmm. in so many ways. And I'm seeing a lot of things where I'm just like, maybe God's patience is wearing out. And maybe some of this day of the Lord, if not the final day of the Lord, definitely a day of judgment on certain people, groups, and areas and stuff coming in. Really, for everyone to be real, for me to be real, right? And to examine my own life and ask God to examine my life and to really see where I'm at and say like, man, walking into the storm am i standing on solid ground like am i about to just get completely rocked by everything and fall under the judgment of god or am i in right standing with god which comes into am i in right standing because of what christ has done have i really accepted that and chosen to like walk in that or have i like these false teachers known something of it and turned away from it or maybe an example never knew it right but you said it is that we need to be able to trust god that God can know who the righteous and unrighteous mm. are. And that with everything that's faced, like, honestly, I look at the economy, I look at the food shortages, I look at all this stuff, and, like, on a level, it freaks me out. And on a level, I'm trying to, like, somewhat prepare for some of those things and see what some of those things are. But at the same time, for me, the more important thing is, man, I really need to, like, make sure that I'm walking holy before God. Yeah. I really need to get with my wife and with my children and really make sure that, like, we are as pure as we can be before the Lord, that we are walking this thing as best as we can possibly walk it because what's going to take us through this storm more than whatever kind of stupid preparations I can make Mm -hmm. is God's provision and God's protection and his love because he he's in control of the whole thing. God is sovereign. If he wants to make sure that I make it through even with an amount of blessing, he can do that and he will do that. 
if I need to learn a lesson through it and, you know, if it's an episode of some pruning or going through stuff, he'll, he'll make that happen too. But as long as, as Peter says it, it's like, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to conduct yourselves in holiness and godliness as you anticipate and hasten coming of the day of God, right? And for me, that's just kind of summing it all up. Well, where am I at? That's where I'm at. Yeah, I like that. To wrap it all up, when you look at Peter, there's there's uh, more stories about Peter than any other disciple. Mm-hmm. And Peter's, again, that farewell letter, my last words. Yeah. Uh, this is how you walk with God, through the stumbles, through the, the doubting, through the put my foot in my mouth, through the denial, through the coming back. These are, this is how you walk with God. This is how you walk with God until that day. Which day? I don't know. The end of it all or the end of me. But either way, this is how you walk with God. Mm-hmm. And I've really enjoyed this book from that perspective of like a man at his final tail end telling me, this is how you do it. I did it. And it wasn't through a fabricated story or these things. This is my life. This is everything about me. And everything about me was him. And everything about me was knowing who he was deeper. And that led me through perseverance, self-control, and all these other things. Those things led me to know who my God was deeper. And that's the man who gave one message and 3,000 people said, I want that. Yep. You know, if, if, if I say something and people are like, ugh then clearly I am not walking with God the way I should. But if I say something and people are like, I want that, then that's the lifestyle we should live. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. And I've got to run out of here because the kids are probably waiting for me and upset. So I am Chris. I'm Mirla. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amen.